0: Today, I'd uh, like to encourage you from the book of Matthew chapter 14. And I want to read a passage of scripture. Uh, You may be familiar with it. It's a popular story in the Bible. In verse 22, it says this. It says, immediately Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. Verse 23 says this. After he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there alone, and the boat was already a considerable distance from land. The Bible says it was buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. So a big storm broke out that they didn't see coming. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. And when the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. And here's what they said. They said, it's a ghost. They cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus said to them, take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. Peter responded and said, Lord, if it's you, tell me to come out on the water. Jesus responded and said, come. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came towards Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid, and he began to sink, crying out, Lord, save me. Immediately, the Bible says Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. Then he makes this statement. He says, you of little faith. He said, why did you doubt? When they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, truly you are the Son of God of God. Happy Easter, everybody. Um, I hope things are going well for you. Um, I've been praying for you, love you, and I know as everybody else has said, uh, what a beautiful opportunity for us to be able to gather uh, here today. You may not know me. If you don't know me, my name's Nick, and uh, when I was in college, I was actually a music major, and some of you who have been around our church for any length of time, uh, you've heard my Ave Maria story, and it went... A little bit like this. I was a part of this this music program, and the way that it worked is that you could actually apply to be a part of like elite programs within the program. Well, I was all about that because it was a way of kind of pr- pushing your uh, credentials down the line and kind of being elite. and And so I decided that I was going to audition. The way that it worked is you had to do different things depending on uh, what it was you were trying to get accepted into. This particular one required that you sing and perform a song in Latin. So I had a lot of stuff going on at the time. Uh, life was kind of busy. I remember there were some finals coming up. It was like the end of the school year, kind of prepping for the next one. It's when the auditions kind of took place. So I didn't really think anything of it. To be honest with you, I've grown up in a musical family, and so it's kind of like second nature uh, for me. Me and my brother, when we sing songs or do things, we don't rehearse a lot. We kind of just wing it because we, we feel like we'll figure it out. Like, we, we, we got this. It's one of those moments. You probably have things in your life that you think to yourself, I, I got this. This was one of those. So I kind of learned the song in Latin. And I thought, I'm going to get there, and all is going to be well. It's not going to be a big deal. I've, I've done stuff like this uh, before. So the next morning, I wake up, and I go to my audition. one, I walk into the room, I didn't realize that the dean of the entire music program was actually going to be the guy that I was auditioning for. And so he sat down. He had his glasses like this, but they were kind of off the nose. And he had his uh, he had his kind of like a notebook and a pen. And he said, OK, you ready? I said, yeah. He said, yeah, whenever you're ready, go ahead. And so I said, OK. So I kind of... I, I kind of square up, and and I let into it. Ave Maria. I've got this, and then I blank. I I, I can't think of another word to save my life. I forgot all of the lyrics to Ave Maria, um, arguably one of the most famous Latin songs of all time. So you know what I did, right? No, I didn't ask for the lyrics. I didn't ask for a do-over. I made up words to Ave Maria. Ave Maria. And I, I committed. I mean I just went in and I didn't stop. I, I kept going until I finished the song. And when I finished the song, it was the funniest moment because I just I just looked like nothing nothing happened, you know? And I, I looked at the at the guy and he had his glasses off of his nose and he says, Thank you, Mr. Hand. And I said, No, sir. Thank you. It was one of these moments where you feel like, I've got it, I've got it, I've got it. Okay, no, I don't got it. I don't got it. I don't got it. My life has been littered with moments like this. I remember one time uh, we were doing a, a Christmas production, and we had like planned humor in the Christmas production, and so there was a joke that was supposed to be told in one of the transitional segments. Somebody was supposed to say to me, hey, Nick, what is your favorite Christmas song? And I was supposed to say, well, I don't know if you've heard it, uh, but it goes like this. Noel, Noel, Noel. Well. And then I was supposed to drop the, the, the tagline of the joke. And it was supposed to go like this. We have- no water cuz we have no well Now when we got to the part in the in the actual performance, you think that it was gonna go like that. I'm thinking again, I've got this. They say, Nick, what is your favorite Christmas song? I say, Well, I don't know if you've heard it. It goes like this. No well, no well, no well, no well. And I and I blanked, and this time I didn't make up words. This time I said, Oh crap. I said oh crap on the microphone in front of like 600 church people. Now mind you, this was like 10 years ago. You would have think that I cussed the Pope or something. Like this was not acceptable. It was one of these moments where I've got this, I've got this, I've got this. Okay, no, 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 I, I don't got this. And it hasn't just been in, in performance. I remember one time I have these, I have friends that get me to do things I wouldn't normally do and they talk me into going bungee jumping and, and I'm just kind of the kind of guy that I talk a big game. So I'm like, oh yeah, it's going to be easy. Like I'm going to swan dive off of this bridge that we're bungee jumping off of. Like I'm going to do tricks and it's just going to be that kind of thing until... I got to the bridge that we were going to jump off of, and when I stepped over the bridge onto this 12-inch wide uh, little platform, my knees were just shaking involuntarily. You ever have one of those moments where you just get the shakes and you don't know why, and you can't stop them? I've got it, I've got it, I've got it, until I don't. And so is life, isn't it? I find rhythms of, of how to combat trouble, how to go through situations that maybe um, I don't like, that are unfavorable to me, and it's this, this, this kind of mantra, I've got it, I've got it, I've got it, until I don't. And when I don't, I find myself, Ave Maria, making things up to make myself feel better about the things that I'm going through to make sense of the situations that I'm facing. I find myself the first, no, well, oh, crap, saying things that I normally wouldn't say, doing things that I wouldn't normally do, behaving in ways I never would have thought that I really would have behaved. I've got it until I don't, and when I don't, I find myself bungee jumping, looking over the edge, feeling like my life is going to be over, plagued by anxiety. I've got it until I don't. I've got my relationships until the hardship that I didn't see coming, until the feelings go away, until there's that one thing that kind of sends everything into a tailspin. I have my money and my finances and my 401k until there's the financial hardship and the bankruptcy and the stock market begins to crash. And I don't, I've do not i got my health until I get the diagnosis that I didn't want to hear. I've got my world until there is a pandemic, a virus that stops the world in its tracks. And so begins a cycle. And here's, here's what it looks like. It looks like this. I, I've got it. Okay, I, I, I don't got it. And here's the, here's the next part. Who, who's, who's got it? Does somebody got it? Does somebody understand what's going on? And within our context, people of faith, we look We look to God. This is where faith for most of us has, be, has begun at this point of I, I just don't know. There's things that I can't figure out. So for us, it looks like this. I've got it. I don't got it. God, help. God, if, if, if you're real, have you ever been in one of those positions? God, if you're real, would you do something? Would you meet me where I'm at? Would you turn the situation around? God, if you're God, would you? And in essence, this is where the disciples find themselves in this story, locked into this progression. The Bible says that Jesus sent them away, and as their boat is out in the middle of the sea, a storm kind of cranks up. And for us, we would think a storm would be terrifying. Like, this would be an out-of-control moment. But you have to understand who these people were. They were fishermen by trade. A storm was nothing but a thing. It it was was no big deal. This would have been one of those moments for the disciples. We've been through storms like this before. It would have been... i got this kind of moment. Boys, you know what to do. Grab the sails, do your part, play your role. We know what to do in this moment. I've I've got this. We've got this kind of like we find out our our rhythms. I can maintain these kinds of troubles until I encounter something that I've never seen before, until I'm facing something that I've never been up against before. I've got this until, what is that out there on the water? Do do, do you guys see what I see? Is, Is that a person walking out upon the ways, I've been through trouble, but I haven't been through trouble like this. Is that a ghost? I've got this. I don't got this. Jesus calls out to him, says, guys, don't be afraid. It's me. And Peter continues the progression, the cycle by saying, God, if it's you, God, if you're really God, God, if if you really care, God, if you really are passionate about helping humanity, would you, would you do something? God, if it's you, would you tell me to step out of this boat? I've got it, I don't got it. God, if you're real, would you? Jesus responds and says, come out on the water because it's me. Peter steps out of the boat, and, and God's power is in action. He literally walks upon the water, but after walking upon the water, the text says when he sees the wind, he begins to sink. There is nothing more frustrating than seeking in life when you feel like I'm just trying to trust God here. I'm just trying to do my best to set my my mind and my heart on a bar that is beyond what is just temporal and existent and actually believe in something bigger than what I'm facing. I'm just trying, God, I'm trying my best down here, and I feel like I'm sinking. And the reason why sinking is so, so horrible, because this is what you feel. If we're honest, here's what we feel. We feel like God is letting us down. God, if if, if you're real, why don't you help me out in my relationships? God, if you're real, why do I feel like I'm sinking as it pertains to my business? God, if you're real, my, my, my physical body, there's things happening and I don't know what to do. I'm looking to you and I feel like I'm sinking. Sinking is horrible because it makes you feel like God has let you down. And this is where most people, when you feel like you're sinking, you start swimming. You turn around, and you head right back for short. You you go back to the first part of the cycle. If God isn't going to help me, I guess I'm going to have to help myself. Okay, I got this. I can do this only to find myself in a position where I don't got this, and I've got to look to God again. But what would happen if you stayed in the water? If you stayed in the water, you would actually learn the reason that you sank. When Peter begins to sink, Jesus comes over to Peter, and he reaches out his hand, and he pulls him out of the water. And he says to Peter, Peter, why did you doubt? Why did, why did I doubt? Why did, you, why did you let me sink? Why did you call me out of the boat to walk upon the water only to let me sink? I know you have the power. I've seen the miracles that you can do. I've seen the thing that you do with your spit where you touch blind eyes and people see again. I've seen when you draw on the sand and you turn the inside of a man's heart. I've seen you raise the dead. I know that you have the power and you let me sink. Why did I doubt? How about why did you let me sink? Peter. Peter, Peter, why did you doubt? Why did I doubt? What are you talking about doubt? I didn't see anybody else getting out of the boat. Here I am walking on water because you called me. Here I am believing in an invisible God and trying to obey his invisible ways, telling people that you're a healer and that you're a deliverer and that you care. And here I find myself sinking. No, 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 Peter, Peter, shh. Peter, why did you doubt? (laughs) You want to know why I doubted? I doubted because when I looked up, I saw the wind. You know what I saw? I saw that my situation had not changed despite the fact that God was apparently right in the middle of my situation. So you know what I thought, Jesus? You must not be who I thought you were. You must not be the God that is good like I thought you were. You see, Peter did not doubt God's power. Peter doubted God's presence. Because if you were here, certainly you would have done something about the situation. And I think all of us have found ourselves here. I think this is the position that humans find themselves in the most. Most people don't have a problem with the ideology that God is powerful. Just take a look around. Walk outside and look at the mountain ranges and look at the skies and look at the grandness of everything that you see. I think that we're okay with the idea of God being powerful, but I think where we struggle is there's no way that he's present. Because if he's, present, wouldn't he, if, there, if he's present, why do bad things happen to good people? If he's so present, why does he let babies die? Why is there rape and why is there murder? Why is there war? Why are there pandemics? If he's, if he's so present and he so cares, why do we find ourselves in these situations? How do you expect me to believe that God cares when I still see the wind? When I still see situations that I can't make sense of? I'm okay with his power, but there's no way that he's present. And we would be lost at sea in a tempest of cosmic questions with no answers had it not been for Jesus' other statement. You see, he did not just say unto Peter, Peter, why did you doubt? Because the truth is he already knew why Peter doubted. He's God. He already knows the answers. Notice the other statement that he made. He says this, you of little faith. Now, when I read that, I almost see that as a dig, as an insult. Why would you, like, really? Like, kick me while I'm down? I'm sinking, and you just pull me out. And you want to be like, oh, you of little faith. Like, what did I do to walk on water? Like, you think that I'm just a magician and can do. No, no, he's not insulting Peter. He's actually explaining the scenario. The reason that you doubt it is because you're kind people. You are of little faith. In essence, here's what Jesus is saying to Peter Peter, you know why you doubt it? Because because you just don't get it, do you? You think that in order for me to be present, that everything in your life, all of your situations should look the way that you want them to look and you miss out on the fact that I can work despite the situations that you're facing. Let me maybe explain a little bit better. I wanna introduce you to uh, my niece, okay? My niece is named Louie. This is the daughter of uh, my brother. Drew and Sister Jacqueline, I'm going to show her off over here so you can kind of take a look at her. Look at her. She's got a little outfit on and everything. She's probably really, really nervous, okay? Okay, I don't want to drop her. Okay, so she is a, she's a rescue, and we often say who rescued who, but I think we know the real answer to that, right, Drew? I think we do. Here's the thing about Louie. My brother was telling me this story the other day, and he was saying Louie loves to go and sit out in the sun. She loves to go and sit out in the sunshine. Like, she lives for it. Like, it is the dream for Lou, just to be able to be let out in the backyard and if she can just bask in the sunshine like her day is made, here's the thing that Lou doesn't know. So my brother will notice when he goes outside and he looks that there are birds that try to swarm their area, that fly above their backyard like hawks and birds that are looking to make Lou a snack, right? So he makes sure that Lou can only stay out for a certain amount of time and that he's got to bring her in. Because Lou doesn't understand that there are things above her intellectual understanding that actually could harm her. See, she doesn't, she doesn't understand, and there's nothing that my brother could say. My brother could say, Lou, don't you know that there are big old birds out there that want to eat you and snatch you up? And she would just be mad at my brother because he won't let her out to have her sunshine. The same is true with us. This, in essence, is what Jesus is saying to Peter. You have little faith. You just don't get it, do you? don't you understand I know I know what you want and I know what you think you need but I know things that you don't know and you don't have the you literally don't have the capacity the intellectual understanding to think on the level that I think this is why I think that when we get to heaven heaven's gonna look a lot like oh that's what it was that's what it means because I couldn't understand here's here's another example and Lou you can go back to your mom over here here's another example I, I was um I was with my kids uh, probably a couple weeks ago. It was before quarantine happened. And my kids were, were in the car, and, and I'm, sometimes I'm not the best dad. I forgot to feed them. I don't know if dads, you have ever done this type of thing. I forgot to feed them so they'd skip the meal. And kids, when they haven't eaten, they get cranky. They get hangry, right? They were losing their schmarbles, sh- their and uh, they were losing their schmarbles. This is literally what was happening. And I thought to myself, when I get to the house, I'm going to go straight to the kitchen, and I'm going to make them food because here's what I know. If I make them food, I can— cause their emotions to subside, the things that they're feeling that is causing them to be cranky and causing them to kind of uh, lose their mind. And so when we get home, I go straight to the kitchen. Well, my kids are crying and they're losing their mind and all this kind of stuff. They're crying. And my youngest, my little daughter, she has me wrapped around her finger. She sits on the couch and she's, she's going, Daddy! and she's pouting and she's crying and she's, and, she's, and she's hitting the couch because she wants me to sit because she thinks if I sit, I can comfort her. She wants me to do what she wants me to do because she thinks that she knows the answers to the problem that she's facing. Are you tracking with me? What she doesn't understand is the reason that she is unstably emotional is because she hasn't eaten. So I go in and, and I, I, I start cooking. Now she wants me so bad to come sit with her, but you know what I'm, I'm sitting over thinking? You just don't get it, do you? She wants me to comfort her, but she misses out on the fact that I'm cooking. I'm trying to do something that in the end, I'm working on her behalf even when she doesn't know that I'm working on her behalf. I'm trying to turn things around, not just to comfort her in the midst of her emotions, but trying to do a thing that actually can change the scope of her emotions. I don't know who I'm talking to today that feels discouraged, that feels like you're sinking, that feels like God has abandoned you, that feels like God has forgotten about you. Can I remind you that God sees everything about you and he's not ignoring you? Sometimes he's just cooking. He's working on things that you cannot see. He's working on things that you cannot feel. And here's the great thing about God. See, I, I, I couldn't go sit down and comfort. God can, God can comfort you while he cooks. He, he may not come through in all the ways that you want him to. He may not do all the things that you want him to do, but he can comfort you in ways that you would never dream possible. I'm here to tell you he's working on your behalf. Don't just believe in his power. Have the courage to believe in his presence. Why, you know the worst thing about sinking? The worst thing about sinking is that it causes you to forget that you walked on water. <laughs> it causes you to forget your whole life is a miracle. It causes you to forget that you're not here By accident, You didn't make it this far because you're just that good and because you're that smart and because you're that intellectual and because you've got this. No, your life has been littered with the miraculous. And if you floated back then, you're going to float again. He's working on your behalf even when you can't see it, even when you can't feel it. He's in the middle of the storm with you. We're just people of little faith. We don't have the perspective. We don't have the ability to understand the things that he understands. I love the way uh, the book of Psalms says it, 23rd Psalm. This is how much God cares about Because life wants to get you to think that God doesn't care, right, because it doesn't make sense. I love what the 23rd Psalm says. It says, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Isn't it awesome to think that God cares about you, that he's with you when you're going through troublesome times that are harmful? But he's not just with you in troublesome times that are harmful. He walks with you through the valley of the shadow of death. Not just the valley of death. Not just times when there's actual danger. He's with you when you feel like there's danger. When you feel like it's over. When you feel like there is no way I'll never, I'll ever make it out of this one. There's no way I'll ever push past this storm, he's with you. You may be thinking like me, okay, good. But how long am I going to have to go through this? How, how long am I going to be in quarantine? How long are we going to be shelter in place? How long is this going? To, I, I get what you're saying. Maybe, maybe God is working even when I can't see that he's working. Maybe I need to believe in his presence so that I can actually have access to his power. But how long? I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't, I don't know those answers. And nobody really does. But here's what I do know. <laughs> I know he's with you. And I know what the end of the 23rd Psalm says. Here's what it says. At the end of all of my trouble that I walk through, at the end of all of the times when I'm inside because there's things that he sees that he's protecting me from, that I don't even know that he's protecting me from. All the times that he's cooking when I really want him to comfort, when he's doing things, here, here's what I do know. At the end of all that, here's what the Psalm says. Surely... Goodness and mercy will follow me all of the days of my life. I don't know how long, but I know what's coming. I I know what follows. You know what follows? Goodness. You know what follows? God's goodness in your relationships. God's goodness in your finances. God's goodness in your physical well-being. God's goodness as it pertains to the soundness of your mind. His goodness always follows goodness and not just goodness, but mercy. I love that. Mercy. I don't get what I deserve. And for honest, this is why we struggle to believe in his presence probably more than anything. is because why would he be here? Like, like I deserve it. Like, I'm good enough to. Peter didn't walk on water because he was good. Peter walked on water because God was good. I love that he says that his mercy. This is, this is the message of Easter. That Jesus would die, but he just wouldn't stay dead. He would come back from the dead so that God can be with you. Forever, wherever. Sometimes sinking moments. I love how Jesus comes and he takes Peter by the hand. Sometimes sinking moments are nothing more than opportunities to hold by the hand what you used to observe at a distance. You, you notice how your faith comes more alive in times like these? <laughs> you notice how, how 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 much more tightly you cling to God in times like these? But only imagine what it was like to be the disciples. When Jesus was, I mean, we think crucified its part of our, our religion. But I, I want you to replace that word with murdered, because this is, in essence, what, what happened. Jesus was murdered, killed. And Jesus said, we're, we're going to change the world. We're going to revolutionize things. It's the supposed son of God. And now you're dead? It wasn't supposed to go like, could you imagine the desperation that they felt? Could you imagine the abandonment that we felt? Man, we've been duped. We've been duped. This, it wasn't supposed to go down like this, but he was cooking. It was three days later. He wasn't going to stay in the grave. The sun rose again. And I've got great news for all of us today. Because the sun rose again, the sun will rise again. The sun, in whatever darkness you're facing today, maybe it's the corporate darkness that we're facing, maybe you have individual darkness that you're facing, I want you to be encouraged today. He's with you. He sees you. He sees the tears that you cry. And I'm here to tell you, he's cooking. He's working on something. Goodness and mercy will follow. It's funny, we never think that the good times will last forever. But somehow we fear that the bad times will. I just want to speak into your spirit today that it's not over, that you're not forgotten, that you don't just believe in a powerful God. You believe in a present God. He's with you. And because the sun rose again in your life, the sun will rise. Hear me. The sun will rise. The sun will rise in your business. The sun will rise in your relationships. The sun will rise in your finances. The sun will rise as it pertains to your mental health. The sun will rise as it pertains to our country. The sun will rise as it pertains to your future. The sun will rise again because we have hope. We have and I pray for you today. God, today, wherever this is being watched, families and people by themselves, God, I just ask right now that people would tangibly be encouraged by the sensation of knowing that you're with them. That they would feel you in a way, God, that only you can cause us to feel at peace, at rest, an ability to be okay even when things are not. To know that you're working, even when it doesn't seem like you're working. To not be distracted by the wind. The fact that our situation, it seems like it's not changing, but to choose that you, to believe that you are right in the middle of it. Right in the middle of, of that? Yeah, he's right in the middle of that. Maybe you're here today watching and you've never made the decision to place your faith in Jesus. That's what Easter weekend is all about. It gives you the ability to. Understand, it is the only thing that gives you the ability to have hope that you will rise again. That You have God working on your side, not waiting for you to jump through hoops and be good enough, working on your side. The Bible says whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. And I want to give you that opportunity to pray this prayer. Maybe under your breath, just kind of out loud where you're at, with your family. And maybe those of us that are believers, maybe we can just pray it again, just reminding ourselves of the faith that we have. We say this prayer out loud? Say it with me. Say, Jesus, today, I believe in my heart, and I say out of my mouth, that you are the Son of God. I believe that you lived for me. I believe that you died for me. And I believe that you came back from the dead for me. Today, I call you my Savior, and I make you my Lord. And I say this, mean it with all your heart. Say, Jesus, help me to live the life that you made me to live. I trust you in Jesus' name. God, in every home, across every screen, God, we look to you. We magnify you in the midst of our storm and out of our lips, maybe you could just join me in this, just out of your own lips. God, we utter the words hallelujah, highest praise to God. We look to you, Lord. Thanks for listening. If this impacted you and you'd like to partner with us, go to SalvationChurch.cc/give to help us reach people with the message of Jesus.